This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The money pit is presented by Home Advisor and Dry Core. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy pre-spring. That's the new season that we invented because we can't <laughs> wait to get to the warmer weather. And so many folks are thinking about the projects they want to take on when it gets warmer out. We decided, why wait? We've created a new season called pre-spring. So if you've got a pre-spring question about a project, you're in the right place. Call us now with that question at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, or post it to our website at moneypit.com. On today's episode, adding a backyard deck is one surefire way to increase your home's living space. But is building a deck a DIY project? We're going to share some guidelines to help you figure it out. And also ahead, do you have a really long room in your house that's about as appealing to decorate as a bowling alley? Well, we're going to share a few tricks and tweaks for the layout that will leave you with a room that feels cozy and comfortable. And if your electrical service panel isn't up to snuff, you could get a shock of another kind. We're going to have the five signs that show it's time to upgrade that panel. But first, we want to know what you want to know in this pre-spring season. That's right. I'm just going to make it official with you, John. Right, pre-spring. Let's go for it. Get out there. What are you working on? Let us help you get that house in tip-top shape so you can really just enjoy yourself. 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Dot, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Oh, a couple of years ago, we had a uh, driveway put in. Um, we have a um, house with an attached garage, and they had um, oh, graded the driveway, they said, properly so the water would drain away from the house and into the lawn, and um, we get standing water in our driveway still. And I was just wondering the steps to, the proper steps to, um, put a trench in our driveway and possibly a drain. Okay, so it would seem to me that if you're talking about water that's, that's collecting on the driveway itself or on the side of the driveway, there's a distinction. In the driveway and also close to um, the house and where the driveway meets. And then there's there's an attached garage there also. If we were to stop the water from collecting on the side of the driveway, would the top of the driveway still be flooded? I think so. Apparently they graded it. All right, because it's easier to put in a curtain drain along the side of the driveway than it is to slice the driveway and insert a drain. Because if you want to try to drain what's on the driveway, essentially you have to cut a slice into the driveway. It's not something that you could do. It requires specialized tools. And then a a drain is inserted 
and it's kind of like a very narrow grate, almost like a box that's dropped into the driveway. The driveway is grated to the top of it so that the water can sort of roll in and then fill up the drain and then run out. If, in fact, that this water is collecting along the side of the driveway, it would be easier from a do-it-yourself perspective to add in a curtain drain. The way that works is you would dig a, a trench that was maybe a foot wide, uh, maybe a foot deep. You'd put some stone on the bottom of that. Then you'd put a perforated PVC pipe. You continue to fill that up with snow and all around it. You'd add some filter cloth over that, and then you would regrade, and you would be it would be completely invisible when it's done. And of course, it has to be pitched properly and discharged properly as well. So the curtain drain on the side of the driveway is easier than sort of the trench drain where you have to cut the driveway. I would tend to say do the curtain drain first and see how it goes. Dot, I hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Wayne in Iowa is on the line with a septic issue. Tell us what's going on. Well, when I uh, take a bath, I have odor when I drain the tub. If I take a shower, I have no odor when I take when I take a shower. Obviously, I don't plug the, the drain. Uh, but everything runs through down to one pipe, which goes out to a septic tank. I do know the line is good from the house to the septic tank because I had to dig that up before I ever did any, any of the plumbing in the house. I did not replumb the drain on the on the tub, but otherwise the house has new plumbing throughout. So we don't think that it's in the drain line. For example, when you talk about sewer odors, the first thing you think of is a missing trap. But if the plumbing's been redone, it's not likely that that's the case. Correct? No, it 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 has a trap, but and it doesn't it doesn't leak into the basement. But I, whenever I take a shower, it works fine. But if I take a tub bath and pull the plug on the on the drain, I get a sewer odor in the hallway outside the bathroom. Because the other cause of those odors is something called biogas, is when you get a lot of bacteria that can form in a drain. And it may not even be the drain of the tub. It could be the drain of the sink. I presume there's a sink in that same bathroom. And sometimes even in the overflow channel of the sink, you get this bacterial buildup that can have just an awful odor to it. And the solution there is to thoroughly clean it with an oxygenated bleach so that you kill that bacteria. Flushing out the overflow channel, scrubbing the drain uh, with like almost like a bottle brush to make sure that all of that bacteria is eliminated. Biogas can be very, uh, very pungent and unpleasant to live with, but relatively simple to get rid of once you get to the spot where it exists. Will you give that a shot? Yes, sir. I most certainly shall. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Now we've got Charlene in Tennessee with a flooring question. What can we do for you? Well, uh, our, we built our house in 2006, and we purchased from the mill solid oak hardwood planks, you know, that we were going to put down for flooring, and it's six inches wide, tongue and groove. Under, underneath that, we put... My husband thinks it's called Advantic. Advantic. It was a 50-year warranty, and the mill told us between that and the tongue and groove solid oak to put six mil of uh, plastic. All right, so what's the problem we're trying to solve here? The problem that we're solving is in a few areas, one which is mainly the bath, 
and the other is the kitchen, there's a squeaking noise. It's like you can't sneak in that area at all. Make that that noise. So when you go on a diet, your husband can can hear you when you try to sneak into the kitchen to get to the refrigerator, huh? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) All right, so look, this has little to do with what is underneath the floor and more to do with just sort of normal wear and tear and expansion and contraction. The reason those floors are, those boards are squeaking is because they're moving. And so what you need to do is to tighten them up. Now, since it's a finished floor, you can't just go willy nilly throwing nails and screws into it. You got to be a little more strategic. So what you want to do is find the place where there's a floor joist underneath. And you can do that with a stud finder. And once you identify that spot, you drill small holes through the floor and you use what's called a trim screw, which is only a little bit bigger than a finish nail. You screw through the finished floor into the floor joist and that will pull that floor down and make it tighter and reduce the amount of movement that it's capable of. And that's what's going to quiet down your squeak. A little harder to do when it's a finished floor, but that's the way to do it. Okay. It sounds like it might be an easy fix. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Now we've got Gary in Maryland with some wall cracks. Tell us what's going on. The cracks are along the one outside wall or or the one wall on the short side, on a 26-foot side, and they're both on either side of the bathroom, which is between two bedrooms. So what you're describing is a pretty normal scenario. We typically uh, get movement in walls of homes and where you have seams between walls and ceilings, one wall and another wall, or above a, a, a window or above a door. That's where the movement tends to evidence itself. Now, the solution here is going to require that you redo the seam between the cracked areas. What you'll do is you'll pull off the old drywall tape. If it's loose, if it's not loose, you could probably leave it in place. But if it's loose or if it's wrinkled or anything like that, I would pull it out. And I would replace that with fiberglass drywall tape. Fiberglass drywall tape kind of looks like a netting and it's sticky. It's easier to handle. And so you press it into the seam. And then once it's pressed in place, Then you're going to add three layers of spackle on top of that, making each one as thin as possible. So you start with the first one, try to keep it pretty narrow, and just cover the tape. And then the subsequent two, you go a little wider and a little wider and try to feather it out the edges. And that actually will bridge that gap between the two surfaces, and the crack will not form again. If you try to spackle over a crack without doing that, it's just going to show up. I mean, you could spackle it and paint it, but it's going to come out, you know, every winter or every summer, depending on whether it's swelling or shrinking that's causing the crack, it's going to pop open again. Good. Thank you very much. Good show, too. You're welcome, Gary. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, adding a backyard deck is one surefire way to increase your home's living space, at least for considerably more than half of the year. I mean, depending on what part of the country that you call home, it can be an integral part of summer barbecues, get-togethers, not to mention a really great spot for just chilling out in a lounge chair or a hammock, enjoying those warm breezes, maybe sipping on an iced tea or a cold beer and listening to the birds. That said, guys, adding or perhaps even replacing a backyard deck requires some planning and certainly some skill to pull off, which really begs the question, should I do this myself or should I hire somebody? So we're going to talk about the pros and cons of each. Well, if you do the job yourself, you stand to save just by virtue of the labor costs. However, building a backyard deck could eat up a number of weekends, depending on how quickly you work and how many mistakes you make along the way. Also, the DIY option could be perfect if you're planning on a fairly simple square or rectangle, but things get dicey if you choose a more complicated multi-level deck design. Now, let's think about it. Hiring that pro obviously is going to result in a pricier deck since you're paying for that labor. But on the plus side, a professional contractor, at least one who's reliable, is likely to finish that project faster than you would. And a pro is also going to take care of the permitting process and will already know what's up to code, what isn't. And that's going to really ensure that your new deck is going to be A-OK with your city inspector and, of course, for your family. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned permits because a lot of people don't love the idea of having to shell out extra money and take the time to obtain a permit. But it is really important because those professional inspectors are your eyes. They're going to make sure the deck, as you say, is safe and well done. You do not want to build the deck only to find out that there's some critical flaw in it or maybe that you weren't even allowed to build one or you built it you know, too high or too low or too this or too that and have to tear the whole thing down. If you want to do it right, get a permit, get an inspection, and then you'll know you'll have a very safe, secure, and valuable space that you've just added to your home. All right, now I've got Trish in New Jersey on the line who's got a remodeling question. What are you working on? I have a wall that goes between the kitchen and there's a set of steps that go down to the basement. Okay. My question is that it's also a bearing wall. Is it worth it for me to go through the expense of taking this wall out? And then what do I do about the, when you take the wall out, it's going to drop down to the basement steps. 
right there. Right. So, okay, it's a big project, Trish, really big project. Because when you take a wall out like that, you have to reinforce all of the structure above it first. And if, as you build the reinforcement, then you take the wall out, you reassemble it with different types of structural members like laminated beams, for example, that, that run that span and allow you to have that sort of open space. Now, you, you raise another good question, like, okay, what happens to the basement stair? Well, obviously, you're going to need a railing there. So it's a really big project. I don't know if that's going to be worth it for you in terms of what you're going to get out of this. What are you trying to achieve from a design perspective? Um, to have an open concept. And here's another idea. There is another wall that goes between the kitchen and the dining room. And that's a, just a small wall because there's a doorway there. You know, Trish, there are some other ways that you can actually make the rooms feel larger. You know, considering I don't know the exact floor plan or you know, the situation of the space. But if you've got some windows in, say, your dining room on the wall opposite it, why not put a really large mirror over perhaps, you know, a service area or some sort of great storage cabinet because the mirror will sort of help bounce the light around and open up the space and make it feel larger. You know, using paint color tricks where you slightly change one wall color to a lighter hue in the same family can make the space feel larger as well. Mirrors really are a huge help. I'm not talking about mirroring an entire wall, but I am talking about perhaps, you know, some strategically placed really decorative mirrors will do the trick as well. Um, You know, these are all ways furniture layout, if you can sort of keep the flow more open to encourage, you know, a a good pass through that can help make the space feel larger as well. So there are ways without taking on major construction projects. That'll make it look so much bigger. Trish, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Carl in Arkansas is on the line with a thermostat question. How can we help you? I bought an older house, and uh, the thermostat that's in it now for the heating and air conditioner is an old mercury switch. And what I what I, what I bought is a Honeywell 5-2 switch, programmer for five weekdays and two weekend days. And what I'm wanting to know is, can I? is that something I can change out myself? Or is that something I need to hire an electrician to come do? The package says easy to, easy to install, but I've looked it over, and it doesn't look like it's that easy to me. <laughs> well, look, if if you're uncomfortable with it, I would not hire an electrician. What kind of heat do you have? Is it gas, oil? What is it? It's electric. Oh, it's electric heat. What kind of furnace do you have? A uh, train. Is this a heat pump? No, no, no. It's not a heat pump. It's a, I, That's one thing I did more with a heat pump. It's a straight electric furnace? Right, straight electric furnace, and it has an outside unit, which is also a train. Oh, uh, wait, wait a minute. Listen to me. If you tell me you have an outside com- condensing unit that works with this, you've got a heat pump. You've got the compressor outside and then the furnace inside. Now, a heat pump is a combination heat pump electric furnace. That's the way they're designed to work. And the reason that that's important is because the thermostat that you chose, and I don't know if this is the case or not, but it has to be rated for a heat pump because the way heat pumps work is, when you set your heat, let's say you set your heat at 68 degrees, it starts getting cold outside, right? Then inside the house, it falls to 67. The heat pump comes on. Still cold, falls to 66. Heat pump stays on. Still cold, falls to 65. Now, it's a more than two-degree split between what it was set at and and what it is. The heat pump says, I can't keep up with this. I'm going to bring on my friend, the electric furnace. So now the electric furnace coils kick on and then bring the house up to temperature. But by you not having the right thermostat, 
what can happen is you can run more of the electric furnace and less of the heat pump, which will which will significantly increase your electric bill. So the thermostat you choose has got to be designed for a heat pump. So I would say your first thing to do is to confirm. I don't know if you have an HVAC contractor that you work with, but but get that system serviced. I mean, all these compressors have to be serviced once a year. If you haven't done it, get it serviced. Get the refrigerant checked out. While that guy's in the house, have him install a heat pump rated thermostat um, because you're obviously uncomfortable with it and we don't want you to have all those wires apart and, and just and then just have a problem when you got no heat or no air. So I wouldn't do it myself because you're uncomfortable with it and when in doubt, don't do it. But make sure you use the right thermostat. Otherwise, uh, you may drive up those costs unexpectedly, okay? Okay, well, I appreciate it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- money pit. You know, even if you can do it yourself, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it yourself. And just like Carl said, if he read the instructions and it still seems confusing to him, then don't do it. You know, I mean, if you're not comfortable with it, and especially with something like your furnace, where if you hook up the wires wrong, like you're probably not going to break it, but you're not going to have heat. And that could be very unpleasant. Now we're heading over to Virginia, where Margaret has a question about a bathtub. Tell us what's going on. We have an old cast iron tub, and it's real rusty uh, in spots, and uh, I'm wondering what we could do to restore it. Now, when you say real rusty in spots, are we talking about big spots, or are we talking about like small little ones from a chip here and there? No, we're talking about big spots, because the water, it was not good water when we first moved here, and so it had a lot of wear and tear on it about 40 years before we moved here, and we've been living here probably about 45 years. So So your tub's almost 100 years old, huh? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, it served the house well. It's not going to last forever. It needs to be reglazed at this point. And I've had uh, some experience with folks that have tried to reglaze these tubs inside the house and it can be done it's an awfully messy and intensive job and and unless it's done professionally it doesn't seem to last very long there are uh, home reglazing kits and rust only and makes one that's for tub and tile but i wouldn't expect it to last all that long the best way to do this is to have the tub taken out and reglazed but if you're going to do all that you might as well replace it and not just have that not just not have that reglaze unless it's particularly beautiful. Um, I think those are your options. It's not easy to do a touch up to something like this when it's just got so, you know, it's got almost a, a hundred years of wear and tear on it. Oh, it's, yes, yes. Okay. That was my question. I appreciate that. Unfortunately, Margaret, there's no easy way to remove a hundred years of wear and tear on that tub. Uh, and so you're probably better off just replacing it. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. 
and its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Well, if you have a really, really long room in your home that perhaps is as appealing to decorate as maybe a bowling alley, it can be really hard to make that space feel cozy and comfortable. But with a few layout tricks and tweaks, you can learn to love your long and narrow room. Yeah, I think, first of all, people get stuck because they feel like, oh, it's got to be one space. What is it? What do I do here? But you have to think about long rooms as a blessing in disguise because they can serve as a very popular open plan kind of space. So instead of having one large but really strange living room, you can have a smaller living area plus more of a cozy den or study or maybe like a little breakfast nook. The trick here is to zone those areas into separate spots by using your furniture. Now, rugs can sort of land a spot. You can create a lighting area around that one little spot. All of it plan with color so it feels like its own individual space and that really helps to set the tone of i planned it i've made a lot of usable spots now the next thing you want to think about is to not line things up because you don't want to accentuate the fact that it's already long so try to avoid having all your furniture along the walls like like you might see in a doctor's waiting room (laughs) instead you want to alternate the furniture groupings so this is going to force that traffic to take on kind of an s shape and avoid half the room just feeling like a straight hallway it's basically a sneaky way to make you actually use more of the space and you also want to arrange things crosswise when possible and that's going to visually kind of push those walls outward and that's going to make that room seem wider as opposed to being sort of narrow Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing people want to do is they see a big room, so they buy big furniture. But instead of getting that one big sofa and then getting, you know, put it there on the longer wall, think about getting two smaller ones and place them facing each other with a small coffee table in between or maybe even an L-shaped sofa or one with a small chaise lounge. And that can really use that space in a long room very, very well. And lastly, do not overfill this with furniture. Just because the room's long doesn't mean you need to fill it all. It works particularly well in a symmetrical room when the furniture can be sort of centered around an object like a window or a fireplace. So, you know, if you follow some of those steps, this room can really become a very popular space. You know, everybody likes these open floor plans these days. Well, that's exactly what that is. It's an open floor plan where you set the groupings for the activities that are to follow. John's on the line, and he's dealing with a mold situation. Tell us what's going on. I have uh, a mold problem around my shower door. I bought the house two years ago. I stripped all the caulking out when I uh, had the mold problem. Uh I've put caulking in with a a nationally known brand. Uh I even used uh, like a saran wrap type thing on my finger to eliminate uh, any contamination. 
I before I did that, I cleaned it. Uh, I stripped it out with a plastic uh, uh, scraper. I also used uh, mineral spirits to clean it out. Uh, I put it in, and I still have problems with it. Uh, God, I, I I'm I'm just at my wits' end here. I run the humidity in my basement between forty and fifty percent. I leave the shower door open. I even shut the the furnace vent off in there. Uh, to try and keep it so it's, it it uh, doesn't have a breeding of of bacteria or anything or mold in that. Uh, you got to tell me what I need to do. I don't know if I have an off spec uh, caulking that I use, which is nationally known, or if I have an off spec uh, aluminum frame and door that that causes the mold. I I have no idea. Well, look, you're going to get mold when you have moisture in organic material, and in a shower, that organic material can be soap and dirt and that sort of thing. So you're doing the right thing, but let's just back it up and try it again here. You want to remove the old caulk. You mentioned mineral spirits. I usually recommend a bleach and water solution because this kills, this is a mildicide that kills anything that's stuck behind. Um, after you get that all dried out, cleaned out really, really well, then you can apply a caulk with mildicide. I would use a caulk that has microban in it. DAP caulks uh, are available with microban, and it's a good antimicrobial additive uh, that will uh, not grow mold. Now, the other thing I would do is I would also make sure that you have obviously have a bath exhaust fan and that you have an exhaust fan that's hooked up to a humidistat, which takes uh, you know takes sort of you and anyone else that's using that bathroom out of the equation. If it's on a humidistat, it's automatically going to kick on when the humidity gets high enough to cause uh, mold problems, and it will stay on for some number of minutes when that humidity goes down to make sure the room is thoroughly vented out. That's the best way to handle that, and I think if you do those steps, you will find success. Hey, thank you very much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, your home's electrical panel is made up of circuits that provide electricity to your home. Now, you probably never think about it until that circuit trips, and then you have to. Yeah, but if you find that happening more often, it could be a sign that you need to upgrade your electrical service panel. So we've got five signs that service panel is ready to be replaced in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. First off, let's talk about faulty wiring. It's the leading cause of residential fires in the U.S., and those signs would include dimming or flickering of lights, sometimes a slight shock sensation when touching an appliance, or a persistent burning smell, or of course, any sparking or discoloring of the power outlets. But what about fuses? Because a lot of folks don't have circuit breakers. They still have fuses. The thing is, they pretty much function the same. They do prevent short circuits and circuit overloads. The circuit breaker interrupts the circuit. A fuse can actually melt and become a potential fire hazard. But they're not illegal. They are outdated. They're actually pretty accurate at blowing when they're supposed to, but the problem is you have to know what size to replace it with. So sometimes you find that folks will put the wrong size fuse back in, and that means that the wire is not properly protected. So if you've got fuses, I think that's a definite sign it's time to upgrade your panel. I think another good sign that maybe you don't have enough service to your home is that you're using extension cords and you're using power strips all over the house because you don't simply have enough outlets. I mean, that's really when it's a good idea to upgrade. You know, you can install multiple electrical outlets and a circuit where they're needed, and that's going to minimize fire and tripping hazards. So you're going to find way more convenience, plus also, you know, a better operating home. 
Now, what about when you add an appliance? Like think about a major appliance, maybe an AC unit or a hot tub spa, something like that, or another thing that uses a ton of energy. You have to make sure that your panel can handle that because standard electrical panels provide 100, 150, 200, and 400 amps of power to your home. Anything less is going to be illegal. And if you find that your breakers are tripping when you turn on the AC or that hot tub, you need an upgrade. I mean, we upgraded the panel to 200 service when I put in the central air. You know, you need it. And it's great because now there's outlets everywhere and everything works and it feels fantastic. So finally, if you're planning ahead on a big project like a remodel, it's a good idea while everybody's there and doing the work to add on replacing and updating that panel. And certainly if you plan on selling, it's a good idea as well. But only a licensed electrician can take on that project. And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area and book appointments online all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Now we've got Jackie in Colorado on the line with a wood paneling question. How can we help you today? Well, I've got this old uh, medium-colored uh, wood paneling, which is really light, that was put over concrete walls. It's it's the one that's got the black stripe, you know, in it. Okay. I just want to know how the best way to clean it. I Years ago, I used Murphy oil. You mean Murphy's oil? Uh-huh. Yeah, Murphy's oil soap is the best way to clean wood. Have you used that again? Well, I just used a, maybe a tablespoon with a bucket of warm water. Would that be okay? Yeah, I think you can actually use a little more than that. Follow the label directions, but when you're trying to clean old wood paneling like that, Murphy's uh-huh. oil soap is really the best way to go because it's not going to dry out the wood and damage it. It's very, very gentle. Just follow the instructions, but I think that's the best product to use for that situation. Okay. Uh, I really enjoy your program. It's just uh, very enlightening for me. And I thought, you know, if I need to find something else, I'll just call you guys. All right, Jackie. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You can always email or post your question at moneypit.com. And I've got one here from James, who's in Texas, and he writes, I'm considering buying a home with textured walls. It looks like plaster was blown onto it. How hard is it going to be to smooth it out? Hard. Really, really hard. Look, textured walls, textured ceilings were popular for a very short period of time, and I think there's been more effort put in by homeowners to get rid of it than there was ever to apply it to begin with. So I would not try to make it perfectly smooth because you are definitely setting yourself up for disappointment. You can take some of the sort of spikiness out of it, but I would get it back to a place that you like, and then I would tell you to paint it with flat paint. Do not use anything with a sheen because it will only make it look worse. All right, Tommy in Nebraska is up next who writes, I've got central air conditioning that works great, but I have a couple of rooms I really don't use, and I'm wondering if I should just close up those vents and shut the doors. Is that going to help me save some money on cooling? 
Yeah, it'll help you save a little bit of money on the cooling. So you could completely close those vents. You might want to wrap them with some, say, cellophane, some saran wrap, something like that, because the vents themselves don't really totally seal it out. It'll have some impact on the cost of of cooling your entire house, but I, I doubt it will have a dramatic impact. And if you do hear that the system is short cycling, if the air conditioning is going on and off and on and off, then open them back up again, because that means the system is too big for the remaining rooms. That's smart. That's a good tip because you sometimes think bigger is better. Not with AC. Not always. Yeah, that's right. Well, are you a first-time homeowner wondering what you need to know that us seasoned money pitters already do? Well, Leslie's got the lowdown in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Hey, guys. First, congratulations. You're the proud owner of your very first home. Well, then the question is, now what? (laughs) It's like a kid. No one gives you instructions. You got to care for it. You got to love it. And you got to figure out what it needs to, you know, survive. So as this first time homeowner, you got to remember it's your job to maintain your home year round. So first thing you need to do is get some tools, things that you'll have around just to help you when you come up with a little project here and there and nothing crazy. Talking about a basic toolbox like a hammer, assorted screwdrivers, a pry bar level, adjustable wrench. If you want or you're feeling daring or, you know, it's a holiday, you can get some power tools, maybe a drill, circ saw, some simple things that'll help you just advance going on with the things going on in your house. Now, you've got to also understand the basics of your home's mechanical system. That's a must. So you need to know where your water main line is and how to shut it off, because if there's an emergency, you got to know where to turn that water off and learn to use your fuse box. Check it out. Find it. Keep a flashlight nearby so when the power goes out, you know how to get to it. Those are things that are going to be super helpful when and if an emergency occurs. And you have to remember that home ownership puts you in charge of covering all of those utilities. So if in the initial months in your new home, maybe you've got some sticker shock over how much power and water actually costs, then start looking into taking some steps to manage those energy dollars. These are all things you're not going to be familiar with right off the bat because, you know, renters, a lot of that stuff is already taken care of. And finally, even if you're in a brand spanking new home that maybe has a warranty, it's wise to have a contingency fund to cushion those curveballs that life can and definitely will throw at a homeowner. So make sure you're ready. If you want some more tips, just Google Money Pit First Time Homeowner Tips. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, we're all getting ready to plant some bushes and trees and flowers, and you're probably going to be throwing down some mulch. It is a great way to insulate newly planted trees and shrubs, but too much can starve them. We'll have a tip on how to do this job the right way on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Money Pit!